Do you like to learn about random wild stuff? You know, the things you didn't think you needed to know about, then realize you should? Then welcome to Nothing Off Limits, the podcast that gives you one place to go for something different. Impress your next party guest with your unusual body of knowledge. And if you dig the show, get more information at ladyfoxentertainment.com and subscribe, rate, or review. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Nothing Off Limits. As part of Kink Week, I am so excited to have the beautiful and awesome Midori. Midori is a renowned educator and a writer on sexuality. Dubbed the supernova of kink by Dan Savage, she emerged from the sex-positive movement in San Francisco in the early 90s, soon becoming a much-sought-after international presenter on sexuality, personal fulfillment, and kinky adventures. Her reputation as an authority and leading expert on alternative pleasures stems not only from her unique and entertaining process of teaching concrete skills, but in her ability to deconstruct and distill complex matters of desire into surprisingly accessible lessons with eloquence and humanity. She's known for tackling challenging topics with fresh and relevant insights, as you'll hear today, and she calls this her head-heart-hands method to create a space where people are allowed individual self-exploration. Fundamentally, she is motivated by helping people to create authentic and intimate relationships while emphasizing self-actualization, shame reduction, acceptance, and justice. Her writing is extensive, ranging from numerous articles, columns, works of fiction, to instructional books. She's the author of The Seductive Art of Japanese Bondage, Wild Side Sex, and Master Han's Daughter. It doesn't stop there, everybody. She leads transformative small group intensives, including Rope Dojo, Fort Femme, Women's Dominance Weekend Intensive, and Make Hot Play Happen. When she's not traveling and teaching, she's creating provocative and hunting art and performances and you can find her all over social media. She's got three websites, fhp-inc.com, that's Firehorse Productions, ropedojo.com, and fortefem.com, F-O-R-T-E-F-E-M-M-E.com. I'm going to include all the social media links to her in the show notes as well. Welcome, Midori. Hey, thanks for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Great to have you. I'm excited. And I I know when we spoke offline, you were like, you know, I should probably clarify what a sexuality educator really is. So would you start by giving us that scoop? Sure. Yes. I'm a sexuality educator and there's many a different specializations that that my my colleagues in the industry have. Some people are teaching in you know, junior high and high school. Other people are in uh, uh, research and a uh, uh, health prevention, etc. Me, I work with people who want to experience more. Their lives are good and they want better. Mm-hmm. And my background is I, I started off with San Francisco sex information in uh, getting people to think about smarter sex, safer sex, not just safer sex, but smarter sex and more fulfilling sex and having agency in one's decisions. So my background and my my work is a broad range sexuality education. And uh, um, interestingly, I have, you know, all of us, each of us um, in this field have specializations and specific leans and, and uh, things we might be known for. Mm-hmm. So I'm a general sexuality educator, and I'm also known for having a unique insight into what people call kink or BDSM. Mm-hmm. And and to clarify, sometimes people think because of where they see me or meet me that I'm a kink educator or BDSM educator. I, I'm not, and I'm a sexuality educator, and the distinction is that I don't make a distinction. 
<laughs> I love that. It's all yeah. one big umbrella. Right. And BDSM is not something separate. It's it's a, it's a genre or a particular flavor. It's kind of like saying general sexuality, think of it as cooking. And then if you were to think of, say, French cooking, you wouldn't consider that that's not food or cooking. <laughs> right, right. It's still it's, cooking. It's still cooking. And then you can mix and match it. And you can certainly have, you know, of um, South Asian French with a little Japanese and Canadian influence <laughs> in that dinner you're making that night. Yes, yeah. So yeah. I see what you're saying. It's like you can do a little splash of role playing and that's part of your overall sexual experience and expression. So I like that because I think a lot of people do make a distinction there. Like they see BDSM or the kink lifestyle or world as a totally separate thing that's like, ooh, that's taboo. Mm -hmm. Now, you're not experiencing that whole idea of it being taboo anymore, are you? Um, not like it used to be. Now, you know, I'm, I've been being sexual for, let's see, as, as a human being, let's see, I've been sexual for, let's see, a few decades now. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think the, the stigma and um, assumptions have changed considerably, especially in the last 10, 15 years, radically so. I mean, it used to be, you know, even, even a couple decades ago that things kink were, people engaging in kink or things that were today might be considered kink would be pathologize or somehow right. you know they would be represented as movies as like the psycho killer right right and i think we can see a lot of good reflections in media and the movies that's back in the day people doing kinky things psycho killer lonely sad people with mental issues today uh kinky things are a staple of romantic comedies and primetime comedy mm -hmm. show it's you know it's the date that goes a little bit funny because oh here's a blindfold or, or a fuzzy handcuffs <laughs> right yeah or a little so, slap on the butt yeah, yeah yeah and so i think people have gotten more sensible and humane about the diversity of sexual expression too yeah and i think millennials too are just so much more open-minded so i think generationally speaking that's shifting too the mindset Right. You know, what's interesting, though, the, the um, younger population, totally open to great information um, and far more easily grasping of diversity of human expression. Yeah. Unfortunately, they haven't been given really solid sex education. It's not like in the Scandinavian country. And, and for those of you listeners in the Scandinavian country, wow, you guys have awesome sex ed. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally great sex ed, age appropriate from from go. Huh. Right? And age appropriate. Should we all move there? <laughs> oh, there are so many reasons that I, I, I have a totally tra travel love on for the Scandinavian yeah. countries. Um, well, I mean, that kind of yeah. openness, I mean, to be teaching it in schools and like you said, it's age appropriate and all of it, that's completely missing from yes. our educational system. And it's as if we're treating our young people incapable of making reasonable decisions. Right. And by denying information and continuing with the abstinence-only education, we're not giving people the, the tools by which to make the decision that's best for the circumstances in their life right. at that point. Right. 
So, so, so speaking of education, yes. I understand that you have some great definitions of things that people consider kinky. So let's let's start educating our okay. listeners here. Great. Let's talk BDSM. Yeah. So a lot of people have heard that uh, heard that word, and you know, most of the times when the word BDSM gets trotted out, people like elaborate on the acronym, which actually isn't all that helpful. And my it actually point, makes it sound more negative. It does. It does. And it, I think it, it confuses things. So instead of going into the acronyms, which a lot of people are already familiar with, okay, so here's my definition okay. of BDSM. It's childhood joyous play with adult sexual privilege and cool toys. <laughs> with adult sexual privilege. So I like that. Yeah, it's like cops and robbers with shagging. That actually just made me think of Austin Powers for some reason when you oh, yeah. said shagging. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so that's what it is. I mean, it's it, it it's the joy, the imagination, the role playing, the thrill seeking, and of the child mind within us. You know, mm. all of our playfulness. May we never lose that. Yeah, fantasy. Yes, and the ability to imagine things. And adult sexual privilege, we don't think about this a lot, but as adults, we are, it goes assumed in, in uh, North America and many cultures that we have access to privacy, that we have access and uh, entitlement and boundaries to our body and sexual expressions, mm-hmm. that we might have a little bit of cash to buy a cool toy or to be able to lock a door. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah, so that makes total sense. So that makes it feel more accessible Mm -hmm. and less scary, I guess, if there's somebody out there who's fearful for some reason because they think it means they're going to be, you know, tied up and gagged. There's fun scary, which is why we go to haunted houses and scary movies. Right. Right. And roller coasters. And humans love uh, a bit of stimulation and and here's the thing you know as humans we're, we're primates and we're mammals mm-hmm. and uh, have you ever seen like um mammals and and uh maybe like the great apes you when they're in zoo or confinement situations with not a lot of environmental enrichment meaning like not a lot of toys or things to climb on Ugh, that breaks my heart just thinking about it i know right and what happens to animals like that well, I mean, they just, they start to go crazy. They'll probably be scaling the, the cage or something. Right. And they may be going in circles, banging their head on the wall, engaging in in uh, self-disruptive or destructive behavior. Oh, yeah. Their appetites may fail. They may end up having outbursts of inappropriate emotions or behavior, behavioral issues. And this all, and, you know. For some, some of us, if we think about job environments or relational environments that haven't been optimal, we haven't been allowed imagination and play, it's the same for humans. Yeah. Component of play as humans, absolutely essential. And if we don't have that, we end up dead in a living shell. Absolutely. You need that expression. You need to have fun. There's nothing wrong with it. Yes. So, and, and, but, and that makes total sense. That's like a logical way of looking at it. But I would imagine that there's still people listening who are like, yeah, but does that mean that I need to, you know, have a blindfold on or be cuffed to my, my bedpost? Like, that's still scary to me. You know, how do you explain the, the play factor in a healthy way? Okay, let's see. So, 
I, I mentioned cops and robbers with shagging, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's it's so much like that. It's uh, getting to getting to play, getting to pretend that oh, you know, right now I'm going to be the bad guy, and you're going to be you're going to be the good guy. Uh, it it is. And as far as the the restraints or the blindfold, all of that only if it is mutually agreeable. Right. That's right. the key. It is mutually agreeable, mutual consent, because, okay, so if if I wanted to go and uh, play um, cuffs and robbers with my best friend neighbor down the street, and I'm eight, I'm going to go down, I'm going to, you know, if you're my friend, I'm going to come down and say, hey, do you want to play cops and robbers? And you don't want to play cops and robbers, you want to play house. I'm like, okay, all right, I don't know if I want to play house, but how about fort instead? Mm -hmm. Okay, and then you might say, oh, okay, we'll do fort, because it's not cops and robbers, but it's a little more like house, and then... So we that process of children figuring out how to play with one another and find that common ground, that Venn diagram of, of current desire and recreation. Now, in grown-ups, it also happens to include sex, sexuality, and sensual mm -hmm. touch. So you just add that other layer onto it. Yep. Which I love. So that leads me then to asking you, because let's say it's cops and robbers, that whole situation, there's always going to be somebody who's got to be the one doing the enforcement, the cop. So let's talk about dominance. Okay. So let me introduce you to my definitions of it. All right. So dominance. Um, a lot of people tend to think of the words dominance, submission, sadism, masochism, with a whole lot of pointless baggage. Mm -hmm. So here's Midori's definition. Okay. okay, Dominance or dominant is a shorthand to mean that, and I'll speak in I statement, and it is shorthand to mean that at this moment, not yesterday, not tomorrow, at this moment, I'm likely to experience sensual, sexual, systemic arousal and or change of state through a temporary redistribution of authority, hierarchy or control towards me. In other words, you let me in, be in charge of us and our fun and right now, and that's going to make me wet, excited. It might make me uh, more focused on you and the now, and it'll be a heck of a lot of fun. And it's consensual, and it's Absolutely. temporary. Yes. So I like that. So you have to look at it that way, I think, too, to take away that whole, like you said, the baggage, mm -hmm. so that it's not like this, you know, permanent thing. It's also not a personality statement. It is not a consistent uh, or constant state of personality expression. We all vary in the realms of which we are in charge and not in charge. Mm. There are times when we'd like to not be in charge, and then there are times when we would like to be in charge of our mutual pleasure. Totally. And so, the, and I mean, that kind of ties into every little area of our relationships, too. And at work, too. Yes. And I know you and I talked about that offline, and it was it was really interesting the way you said, because I said, what about the people who decide to be in dom-sub relationships for the long term, and they even do it at home? And like the, the female dom says, wear this apron, but I want you to have nothing else on but this, and I want you to do the dishes right now, that kind of thing. Okay, so dominance and submission or dom-sub relationship versus 
playing with scenes or playtime of dominance and submission, right? Uh, and dominance and submission relationship. We're talking about different things that actually end up using the same words. And because it's using the same words, it tends to be confusing. So play or scene, that's what we do decide to do tonight or this afternoon for a mutual fun, right? And so a dom-sub relationship the porn fantasy, and nothing wrong with porn. I like my porn, especially if it's well-written. <laughs> um, in porn or in fiction, the fantasy is all the hot sex, all the dominant submission scenes all the time. Right. Well, that's fiction. You know, it's kind of like, the, it's kind of like spy movies, right? They're in in Austin Martins and driving all over the place and having <laughs> all the time. All the time. There's no and time to like take a shower or do anything that you do paperwork. <laughs> yeah, right. Can you imagine? I mean, real spies they do probably more paperwork than drive sexy cars. <laughs> I never you thought know? about that. That's hilarious. Right? And they're probably spending more time <laughs> drinking government issue coffee. <laughs> then they're having martinis. Right, out of a styrofoam cup. Exactly. <laughs> right? So reality, oh my God. So the reality of what I call the relationship, what I call consensual hierarchical relationship, consensual hierarchical relationship is that as a team, as, as a relationship unit, that you and I would make a decision to have a vertical organization chart of making decisions. And these are decisions of ordinary things. And by having having pre-made who makes the decisions and who has the veto power on these mundane and ordinary things. Mm -hmm. Like writing the bills. Writing the bills, who does the dishes, uh, let's see who the garbage who does the driving who does yeah so all of that all the mundane things uh, are decided in a hierarchical way but with the assumption that and always with the assumption that we are a team together mm -hmm. okay? and based on that it's a one model of structuring a relationship consensually and consciously just as valid as as what I call the horizontal hierarchy Okay, the collaborative hierarchy okay. to navigate ongoing relationship. So there are different definitions or scenarios of dominance and submission. And so I'm glad that you clarified that. Yeah. Like, it's just however you decide to set it up. Um, yes. The construct. And th I think that's where the confusion happens, too, in society is like people get these ideas about it. Sure. That it's yeah. a permanent decision, that it's not just for play, that it means that you're forever submitting to this person. And, right. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, let's say, uh, let's say if you and I were in a relationship and we were equal partners, right? Mm -hmm. We could say, all right, we're away for this five day vacation without our kids. All right. Then um, for this five days. You, madam, you are in charge of me and us. Okay, so you just gave a lot of listeners an idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, you know, Sunday night when we come home, pick up the kids from grandma, and it's back to our life as usual mm -hmm. with all of its glorious everydayness. And it's fun because you have like your little secret together. <laughs> right. So it's a little wink and a nudge, and the yeah. kids be like, hey, mommies, what did you do? And uh, we're like, oh, you know, we just had grown-up cops and robbers. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. And it's a good way, too, to introduce it to the kids, like grown up. Oh, so what does that mean? You know, so it's kind of cute. It also introduces the idea of consent and agency and boundary into to all parties. Um, and, and that's so important. I've heard it referred to as enthusiastic consent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not just, a, oh, sure. Uh-huh. Right. Or something that's like, ah, it's like I don't looking know. forward to it. It's fun. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So what what about um, sadism? Yes, let's continue along with these new definitions, which I love. Yeah, and so it's all about how do we get to our recreational states. All right, so sadism, sadism and masochism. Sadism is one of these terms that easily misunderstood and have a lot of stigma to it. There's sadism in the, the pop culture, pop psychology way of looking at cruelty. Uh, there's also the yeah, way like that... inflicting pain. Right, right. And there's also ways in which say, um, mental health professionals may consider sexual sadism. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? It's uh, the, the most uh, practical way of looking at uh, sadism in our adult cops and robbers mm-hmm. is that, say, if you and I were playing that... that sadist or sadism is a shorthand to mean that right now I'm likely to experience sexual, sensual, systemic arousal and or change of state by creating intense sensations in you. Mm -hmm. Intense sensation is the key here. And it's not about pain because intense sensation may be that kiss that's held a little too long. Okay. Right? So pushing boundaries just a little bit. Right, and it's all relative to whatever your default or standard mode is. It's like eating spicy food, right? Mm-hmm. I like spicy food. Sometimes I like even spicier than usual. There are friends who think my normal spicy is crazy, and I have <laughs> friends who eat so spicy uh, that I'm just like, I don't, I don't know how they still have tongues. Um, <laughs> and then they think what you're eating is mild. Exactly, yeah. and so it's all relative. Sure. So. Yeah, if, uh, you know. So give us some more examples of intense sensation. All right. So intense sensation. Let's think, okay, a little love love slap across the butt cheek. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. So, all right. So let's say, let's say in a moment of passion, and there we are in a sexy embrace, and, and uh, my lover is taking me to the brink of orgasm. Mm-hmm. My heart rate is up. My focus is completely on them. I am panting and I am feeling that quiver in my legs right at the edge of orgasm. And my lover gives me a love slap across my butt. Mm-hmm. Sends me right over to the edge. Right over that edge of uh, yet another wave of orgasm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Everyone's like, people are driving in their cars. They're like, oh, damn. <laughs> so... Say, take same lover, okay, and say I'm doing the dishes, right? Now, there I am, minding my own business. It's the next day. I'm doing the dishes after dinner. And he comes over and, and smacks me across the butt out of the blue with the same force location. Um, all the, the, the physics of it is all the same. Okay. Slaps me across the butt. Am I going to go across that threshold of orgasm? No. No. I'm going to go across that threshold of spousal annoyance. Yeah, you're going to be pissed. I'm going to turn around and go, honey, what the hell? (laughs) 
So there's a time and place for intense sensation. Yes, yes. <laughs> and and this, this is and what helps clarify sadism. <laughs> yes. And Sweetie Pie would be like, but you liked that last night. And I'm like, yes. And last night we were also in the double-backed weasel posture. <laughs> Whatever that is. Damn. Right. I need a diagram. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but so true. Yeah, and so intense sensation. Yes. All Here's right. another example of intense sensation, right? So I know a lot of people think of intense sensation or sadism as like whips and chains. Right. If I were to take my sweetie and hold them right, uh, you know, do let's you know my my tongue betwixt their thighs. Yeah, whatever bits, any bits, outy bits, don't care. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, any bits, outy bits, imagine, listeners, as you wish. Okay. <laughs> and I'm working my tongue, holding them right at the edge of orgasm. And they are screaming and hollering and, and just like asking to be let go into that realm of orgasmic bliss. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite, but I'm keeping that pleasure going. That's actually erotic sadism. That's interesting that that fits within that definition. Yeah. All right. So now we are all sadists. And (laughs) And uh, masochists. And masochists. So so what's the definition of masochist? Well, the definition would be that uh, right now, I'd love to experience intense sensation. Hmm. And again, it's temporary. It's contextual. And, I, you know, if a little extra, a little extra pinch on the nipple. Mm-hmm. You know, a little harder grab of the butt cheek, a little fingernails across the back. And so the, the sadist is giving it, the masochist is receiving. Yep, of intense sensation. So then how does topping and bottoming play into that? Ah, good question. Okay, so topping and bottoming are umbrella terms. In itself, it's vague enough that it really doesn't mean much yet. Now, a lot of people tend to think of, well, top is this, but not that. Mm-hmm. But it becomes more practical if you think of topping and bottoming as the beginning point of a conversation. So if you were to say you're feeling you're feeling like being the top tonight, mm-hmm. I would need to ask, well, what does that entail? Is it more around the control or is it more about the sensation or is it a combination of both? Oh, wow. Okay. Right? So... On the, and if you were to say, oh, you feel like bottoming tonight, um, I, I, I would need to ask, so are you hankering for letting go of control? Or do you like some intense sensation that you'd like to receive or a little of both? Mm-hmm. So I like this because there's like more of a complexity to it than just being like, I'm just tired and I want you to take care of this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? It makes it more into, again, that whole concept of adult cops and robbers. So it's uh-huh. more fun and you're both engaging in the play, not just one of you. Yes. Yeah. I love it. All right. So I want to know more about Fortifem Weekend. Uh, when you told uh, me about this, I was like, ooh, people need to know. Oh, yes, Forte Femme, Women's Dominance Weekend Intensive. It's myself, nine women, three days, brain dump. Mm -hmm. And it is about finding and tapping into your authentic power from the bedroom to the boardroom. And you have some top-level people going through this, right? Yes, the people attending, the women attending are amazing people. Um, And we now have the alumni 
alumni society, which is called the Society, and they're formidable broads, okay? <laughs> um, and the kind of people that tend to go through Forte Femme are well-educated, formally and informally, mm-hmm. and they are often um, uh, entrepreneurs. They are often professionals in their fields, whether in the, not surprisingly, on the West Coast, we'll get a lot of tech people as well as medical medical leads. Mm-hmm. We'll also get um, uh, financial and legal professionals, especially on the East Coast, mm-hmm. and people in the media as well. So we do get women with, women who navigate their own place in the world and there are no strangers to engaging it, holding their space, but like something is missing in their education or they want to get to, they want to get to the next level of confidence. And we take, and yes, it's focused on kink and BDSM, but think of that as a way in which, well, first of all, we are sexual beings. And if we find our voice, our presence, our joy in that, arena of life it also adds to to balance overall you know you need good diet good mm-hmm. exercise sexual expression your creative expression your financial security you know it's kind of like the yeah. maslow maslow hierarchy and the, the the sex and fulfillment and joy and play is very much part of that mm-hmm. and i love this idea of creating um I don't know, the confidence, like you said, the dominance, not only in the bedroom, but also in the boardroom. So I I can see how that would trickle over into work life. If you just feel really, really confident inside your own body, you've taken care of yourself, you've allowed yourself sexual expression, as well as eating well, like you said, and all of that, it's like, obviously, that's going to pour into the your work. Yes. And uh, in terms of our bedroom exploration of kink, it is about being able to listen as well as express your own desires to figure out and express our own hungers in the now and have the tools by which to figure out our partners what they really want mm-hmm. in the now. Mm-hmm. Not just what they think they're supposed to say or what we think we're supposed to say. To truthfully speak of our wants, needs, and and boundaries and to co-create an experience that is a win-win-win all around where next morning we go back into the big world with stupid grins on our faces <laughs> right and that reflects actually to the corporate and professional world as well because okay gone is the day of okay if i'm creating a creating a project or if i'm negotiating something gone is a day that it's all about me and i'm going to screw the other guy well, we hope. You know, we hope well, that's gone. The well, day. Yeah. And I think the direction that we're going with um, exceptional business and exceptional business, as well as I hope political practices, but the bigger world, we've seen that collaborative models and certainly the uh, tech industry and the information industry of thinking in this in a collaborative model. Mm-hmm. What are in what are our needs as a team? Right. What is if you're if you're a negotiating partner, a a client, a business, what are your needs and requirements? What are my needs and requirements? How do we get that met in such a way that is not only sustainable, but way in which we thrive? Mm -hmm. 
That is a big hot button term right now is learning how to thrive and collaboration and working together, all of that kind of stuff, the win-win situation, which really does tie in, I believe, to the communication that's required for kink. Yes. You really have to share what you want and how you want it. Yes. And through, so the people attending my Fort FM weekend, they are indeed interested in some grown-up cops and robbers in their bedroom. Sure. But they also understand it applies to a bigger arena. So think of this as the sandbox that we get to. It's a limited sandbox where we get to experiment. It is with rigorous, rigorous inventory and expression of our needs and to create something. And if we can do that with our pleasures in the privacy of our own bedroom with with limited variables compared to, say, like a business environment, Mm -hmm. you are better equipped to do so in other arenas of your life. Mm -hmm. And not to mention the aforementioned goofy grin as you go into... (laughs) As you go back to work with a flush on your cheek and you're standing taller, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that you mentioned when we spoke was that the stereotype of the kink lifestyle is also ditched because it's not about people with, you know, their red room in their house with, you know, latex and leather at all times, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, uh, the stereotype that has been created – um, you know, one movie, TV show, porn after another mm-hmm. is, it's not useful. It's really, it's just one a tiny speck. And we totally ditch that and we explore different archetypes. There's actually a, um, I've incorporated a really interesting Jungian inspired exercise into this so that we may that each woman coming through the program find her various styles Hmm. Yeah, like and that. our various styles of of uh, power, and it is one of one of many models, legitimate and effective models of leadership, is tapping into these archetypes within us. Yeah, and yeah. so many of us are not trained on how to be a good leader, how to communicate well, any of it. And, start, and they can start with a nice practice ground. The place of confidence is leadership in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. What is the most rewarding situation or if there's a success story of what you've been doing, not only with Fort FM Weekend, but beyond with your teaching and all the work that you do? Well, oh, goodness. Well, I just had, um, I also do private coachings mostly with my graduates, but others as well. Um, I just had, and this just happened yesterday, where I had a conversation with one of my graduates that after going through the weekend, she found a sudden surge of creative impulse, and, and not just in her sex life, but in all manners, and she picked up previous arts that she had set aside as a young woman. Wow. And she went into this this rush of writing, and so it gave her a surge of creativity to examine her wants and desires. That was satisfying. That's awesome. Yes. It's like a geyser. You, yes. you uh, unleashed her inner power. Yes. Like, I, have had, I have had people tell me that... Uh, that daily that they turn to the points that we learn in the weekend as a way to 
to check in that they are on the right path of being humane to themselves and and humane to everyone around them Mm. and to be the best that they can be. I love this. I love yeah. this um, humanization of the the kink lifestyle so people can get away from fears about it or trying it or just the ideas that they're carrying from society yeah. Yeah. and that it can really improve your life in, in important ways. So and yeah, it made me think like everybody out there listening, like your broker, your recruiter, your accountant. Oh, actually, you I never have- know. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I actually had this happen at one of our graduate society reunions where um, uh, one woman, um, high-level artificial intelligence designer, uh, and then another woman uh, graduate, turns out she's a recruiter. Mm-hmm. And they started talking about their work, and they're, like, exchanging cards and all that. Yeah. Yeah, and we do actually have um, we do actually have a society piece of jewelry that only society members know. Oh, so you know. That's yes. awesome. Yes. <laughs> so, so do you have a special handshake or like a nod, <laughs> like a look? Uh, I think we have the twinkle in our eye and a little <laughs> knowing grin. That's enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you've done so much work. It's impossible to cover all of it in one short NOL episode. So give us an overview of some of the books and resources that you've got out there for all of the listeners to tap into. Okay, great. Now, we didn't talk about Japanese bondage or shibari, but I wrote the first English language book, English language instruction book on Japanese bondage called The Seductive Art of Japanese Bondage. Mm -hmm. It'll get you, it's a good primer to get you started. And it is it is out there and selling well. It's what sixteenth year of its publication. And there's a difference between Japanese bondage and I don't know, a traditional bondage? I'm not sure what to term it. Or um, damsel in distress or, or, or hot bedroom sex bondage. And I think that's an entirely separate episode. But yes, yes. it is in, <laughs> inspired by a version of Japanese history that the contemporary Japanese romanticize, mm-hmm. much in the way that North Americans romanticize a, um, a bygone cowboy past. Mm-hmm. Or so, the girl on the train tracks, tied oh, to the train tracks. Yes. <laughs> I'll get you. Save me. Save yeah. me. Yeah. 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 So funny. As I twirl my mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Adjust my hat. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very, um, there's culturally based imagery, and it's been very hot in awesome. North America and Europe. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And it is totally accessible. It doesn't have to be complicated. You can make it complicated if you want, because sometimes that's fun. And you can make it simple and sexy, too. Great. Yeah. And the other book that I have is Wild Side Sex, The Book of Kink. And uh, just to let people know, yes, I'm acting. That's I'm actually naked on the cover, and that is a typewriter <laughs> that is blocking the bits. You go, Midori. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was fun. I have a thing for vintage typewriters. So. And, it, and it works yes. very well for your cover. Yes. And you are found all over social media. Yeah, I'm on all the social media under Planet Midori. And I think I forgot one of your websites, too. There's a www.makehotplayhappen. Oh, yes. That's actually my collaboration with the the amazing Marsha B, who also does relationship classes. And she and I have collaborated around how to how to turn all of the classes you've taken 
into actual play because it's one thing there's a whole bunch of people who in a population that takes a lot of workshops and quality classes around skills whether it's sex or kink or all manners of things mm-hmm. sometimes taking what you've learned in the classroom and taking it back home to sweetie <laughs> and saying let's do this and as you pull out your you know arsenal of things you just bought and your honey is staring at you like what the hell <laughs> yeah and so how, how do you make that transition yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So very good. So fhp-inc.com, ropedojo.com, fortifem.com, which I'm going to check out, and make hot play happen, everybody. Midori, you're amazing. And thank you for spending time with us and uh, making all these clarifications and making BDSM and and the kink lifestyle more accessible to all of us. Oh, you're welcome. And I just want to know that people are out there walking around with goofy grins. (laughs) And the twinkle in their eye. Yes. I love it. Have a great topic you'd like to hear discussed on an upcoming episode of Nothing Off Limits? Email us at ideas at ladyfoxentertainment.com. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate the show, and go to ladyfoxentertainment.com to sign up for our email list and to check out our resources page. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.